0: Thank you. Morning all. I'm not quite 100% ready, so give me just two seconds and I'll find what I'm actually talking about. So we're going old school today as well, so there's no PowerPoint. I've got a blackboard, chalkboard, chalkboard, chalkboard. Um, I've discovered, I was just saying to Bob. I'm not designed to write on chalkboards for two reasons. One is I'm left-handed, so as you write, you rub everything off that you've just written. The other is I split the chalk in half within about two, two words. So uh, yeah, I bet teachers are really pleased now to have all the tech that they've got. It's probably a lot easier. So we are going today to have a little think about Christ-likeness, what it's like to be like Christ. This is something that's been brewing and I've been ruminating on over a few weeks now and it's been pretty challenging and um, I kind of want to walk with you through some of those sections but I'll probably also do it again in in a month when I preach again because I think there's so much in that that we can dig into. So I want you to start by thinking of someone that you can recall that you remember seeing Christ in or through. Someone that for you, you thought, yeah, there's something about you that looks like Christ. Christ. For me, it was a secondary school teacher in RE called Mr. Reddish. And I had a very fledgling faith, but he really demonstrated Christ in the way he handles us as students. He really encouraged us as kind of 15, 16-year-olds to find our own faith and to ask questions. Uh, and for me, that's who I think of if you ask me who I saw Christ in. And that's literally what we're talking about today. Christ-likeness is being like Christ, now there are three uh, biblical perspectives on this uh, and they're past, present and future. So if we think about the past, Romans 8:29 says God's eternal purpose is for us to be like Christ. We've been predestined. The present, 2 Corinthians 3:18 is God's transformative purpose for us now. We are being transformed by the Holy Spirit into his likeness. And the future, 1 John 3, 2, we will be like him. We're predestined to be like him. We are being made more like him now. And in the end, we will be like him. Christ likeness. And we talked a bit this morning, actually, with some things that really link for this about being adopted in his family, being a child of God. I'm glad Mark sang that song today that you know that's about being adopted in his family becoming a son or a daughter of Christ belonging to him when we become a Christian our new identity is in him quite recently I've been thinking about family likenesses my friend Anne had a little baby girl about two weeks ago now a little girl called Marissa she was born on leap year on the 29th of February I'm not sure if I've ever known a leapling any other leaplings here no that's funny isn't it And um, and you know what people do when they say are you on um, Marlena, are you a leapling? Marlena's a leapling as well. You know what people say when they get photos of new babies? One of the things that we always love to do is to say, oh, doesn't he look like you? (laughs) Oh, he's got your father's nose. You've got your mother's ears. There's something about that that we take, and I'm guessing Rachel's had a bit of that in the last few weeks of people. He looks like... Not even a baby Alan, adult Alan. (laughs) Um, yeah we, we 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 recognize likeness in people don't we we see physical features or characters or responses that we think oh you look like when you do that you're just like your mother or just like your father and so were we to think about this as Christians I'm going to, ask you to put your hands up who would want to be more like Christ yeah that's where I started yeah well come on that's got to be right is not it Jill? it's got to be right that we want to be more like Christ but what does it mean what does actually being more like Christ does it what does it mean in the bible sense what does it mean in our life uh, so let's try and unpick a bit of that today there's a biblical word sanctification and it's a state of being holy set apart for God bowing to his lordship in our lives it's a takeover It's a bit like a store that's under new ownership. You know, you see the banners that say under new ownership. What it used to be for is not that purpose anymore. Maybe they even sell some of the same things, but it's all different. There's new decor, there's new posters, there's new stock, there's sometimes new staff. That's what our lives should be like, under new ownership. The banner says, under the lordship of Christ. It's not my life anymore, it's his life in me so to do this and to think a bit more about it we really need to have a little think and see what christ was like if we want to be like christ what was christ like and you know there's a lot of contrast in the bible when you look at what jesus was like he was humble not in a weak way but humble he was the king of kings and he was god on this earth and yet he washed his disciples feet he was humble he was gentle yet he was strong There's a contrast in him. I'm just going to read Philippians 2, verses 5 to 8. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, And being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross we want to be like christ we've got to do some of that we don't consider ourselves equal with god we don't have the right to be equal with god he did but he chose not to do it. he came to earth he made himself nothing he humbled himself it's a bit challenging i got part of the way through this i remember saying to astrid i'm doing some prep on a sermon on christ likeness I don't know if I want to be more like Christ, because this is going to be pretty challenging. This is going to rock who I am, what I do, how I think, how I behave. Ooh, I didn't put my hand up there when I said, who wants to be more like Christ? Because actually, I think we need to understand what that means. What is it? So we're going to do some hashtags today. For those of you that Instagram or just generally where hashtag is a thing, hashtag is a great little uh summary of something you're trying to see so we've got three hashtags today first hashtag stand in faith and we've got to unpick that second one stand out and the third one stand up so what do i mean by stand in faith you know we start talking about being more like christ The first thing we've got to do is stand from a start point of our faith in Christ we've got to take words from the bible some verses like you are a new creation God is faithful if you've become a Christian you have eternal life and salvation in him we've got to start our journey to being more Christ-like from a position of knowing where we are in God what his promises are for us you know, God says you are his workmanship. All things work for the good of those who love God. Start from a position of faith. Our new ownership is in Christ. The old owner. I don't care what you did in your life before you became a Christian. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you were in jail or if you were a good person. It doesn't matter if you're rich or you're poor. If you've got 10 GCSEs or no GCSEs. It's not relevant. That's not what God looks at. God looks at your heart. When you become a Christian... You belong to him. All that stuff matters even less. So when we look at Jesus and we say, okay, well, if we're looking at being more Christ like, what was Jesus like standing in faith? Just going to pull on two points from this. Jesus actively sought time with his Father, he actively went out of his way to go and pray. Now, I'm using the words time with the Father, a conversation because we always have this thing I think as Christians where prayer is a bit scary or it's, it's something that somebody else does it's just a conversation Judas preached about this probably a year ago now prayer is a conversation with God when we look at Jesus's life I've just got a few examples before he selected the disciples he spent an entire night praying he went off on quiet retreats in Luke 9 during his ministry he continued to pray he taught us how to pray there's a section in the bible that says when you pray do this even when he was suffering and on the cross he prayed do you know what romans 8 says he's still praying for us now the bible said he's interceding on our behalf do you know what if it's good enough for jesus it should be good enough for me it should be good enough for us our life groups horizon. If Jesus prayed, we should pray. I found a couple of uh, little um, descriptions of prayer which I thought were quite helpful and, and perhaps helped me move on a bit in how I think about it. Prayer as an eye contact with God. You know that eye to eye conversation you have with people? There's something about looking someone in the whites of their eyes when you have a conversation. That's our time with God. Eye contact. Eye contact is giving attention to the one who gives us all the attention he gives us all his attention we can give him some so i got to the point of thinking okay i can see what jesus was doing what do i look like what's my prayer life like So I wrote a little list of what I thought, and this is not a self-deprecating section. This is me being quite honest and saying, this is what I think before God my prayer life is like, and encouraging you to go away and actually ask the same question. For me, it's often always needs-based. There's something I want to pray for, something that's bothering me, something that affects my life or affects the life of people that I love. It's often a list. I've got a list of things I wanna get through. There's a lot more talking than listening not a conversation really to be honest there's a little bit of listening but most of it is me talking it's quite self-focused around what's affecting my life whether it's you know uh, personal things or church things or coronavirus or it's here and now stuff that's around me it's quite short-sighted I don't particularly pray for things five ten years down the line I tend to pray for what's here and what's bothering me this week or this month and I definitely, definitely pray more when I'm in times of difficulty. I suspect all of us can nod to, to that. My prayers are definitely focused on the needs of myself and the, those, the, those that I love and on the things that interest me. So if something in the news captures my attention, then I, I'll pray for that. Um, but do you know what? To be more Christ-like requires changes in my prayer life. It requires me to go back to the notion of that as eye contact time with God, as time to give him attention, because he gives me all the attention. And it couldn't be a better day to start talking about prayer and conversation with God, knowing that there's a prayer event happening right after this meeting. So I'd encourage you, I'm challenged. I need to change my prayer. If I want to be more like Christ, I've got to not be so selfish. My prayer life is based around things that are interesting to me. Fact. Fact happens doesn't it life is busy you have stuff to do you've got work you've got church you've got this you've got family life that's not really what Christ was like Christ took himself off and just spent time with God spent time with the father I can't imagine he had a list all the time I can't imagine he only prayed for that day The second thing I want to draw from what Christ was like in standing faith is Christ was supernatural. He lived and breathed in the supernatural. He did many supernatural works in his life and ministry. You only have to just turn the pages of the New Testament. He turned water into wine. He healed people, lepers, women with issue of blood. He raised people from the dead. He calmed the storm. This is just his life. This is just day to day. Oh, yeah, I went to work today. What did you do, Jesus? Oh, well, I healed a leper, raised a guy from the dead, turned fish into feeding 5,000, I calmed a storm, I walked on water. This guy lived the supernatural. But do you know what? Acts 10, verse 37, 38. I found a version of this. You know how God anointed Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power? and how we went around doing good and healing because God was with him, we have received the same anointing and the same Holy Spirit. We have received the same anointing and the same Holy Spirit. Mate, I don't walk around doing those things in my daily life. I don't even ask for them and I don't even expect it. And this is not about the Holy Spirit being a magic trick that we can turn on oh I'm going to go to work today oh help me heal that person God it would be quite handy to be a healer in my line of work as a nurse to be honest it would be quite useful I mean I might put myself out of a job in the end but day to day it would be pretty helpful it's not a clever magic trick to be turned on Jesus was doing this because he loved people and he was using it as a witness of God's power on the earth I I don't see that in my life. When I'm praying, we talked about prayer a minute ago, do I pray in the morning every morning or every situation I come across for the Holy Spirit to lead me and guide me? No. Should I? Yes. Do I? No. Do we? Or do we really actually think of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the operation of the Holy Spirit in these type of ways, healings and uh, those type of supernatural gifts, as something for a Sunday, oh yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll pray for that because then I'm in church. But what about on the bus when you're going shopping to the supermarket? Do we ever pray, Horizon, for the supernatural in our day-to-day lives? The other thing about the Holy Spirit, apart from the, the, uh, the same anointing and the same Holy Spirit, is that he helps us be transformed. So when we looked at the past, present, and future, the present is we are being transformed into his image it's an ongoing process and that's the holy spirit at work in our lives so when you start to look at all these things and i'm thinking oh i don't do that Oh, i don't do that actually i want to be saying holy spirit help me i want to be more like you i want to be more like jesus i want to think more about the supernatural i want to pray more so how does that operate in our lives in church Maybe some of those things are a bit easier in the church settings, It's easier to pray. It's a bit more obvious. We set up structures that allow us to pray, the prayer cards. Prayer is something we do. I challenge you, church about the supernatural. I don't think in this church we see nearly enough of God in the supernatural in our meetings, in our life groups. But you know what it starts with me? Do I see it in my life? Am I asking for it in my life? Because if we all step in to be more Christ-like in the supernatural, that will radically transform our Sunday meetings. Because you are bringing the supernatural as part of how you're living your life as you step through the door. You say, guys, you're never going to guess what happened this week. God was alive and active and the Holy Spirit is here. May, let me tell you, the same God that was there for Jesus, the same Holy Spirit it's here now he's here now what would change about our lives what would change about our relationships and our community to be more like christ means looking for asking for and expecting more of the holy spirit in my life so stand in faith hashtag stand in faith prayer supernatural the second hashtag oh I'm standing right in front of it, I do apologise. Try and move it sideways a bit. Hashtag stand out. Do you know what? Jesus stood out. When you look at the life of Jesus, it was not ordinary. He was definitely somebody that stood out from the crowd. In his life, there's lots of examples of things that he did that were totally surprising to the people in that time. He hung out with prostitutes he spoke to the people that culturally were despised and seen as outcasts he met with people at wells he told them things about their lives he touched lepers I mean who touches a leper leprosy is really infectious so we're all a bit worried of course about coronavirus mate you've seen nothing until you've seen something like leprosy but he touched them he didn't have the fear of those things and nobody touched lepers lepers were in completely separate towns and villages and colonies used to be called leper colonies to keep all the lepers together you were an outcast if you had leprosy jesus ah, comes up touches you oh you're healed by the way Uh, and carries on it's nothing to him and he ate with tax collectors I mean, it's such a funny one. We always think, you know, we think about the leprosy and, and those type of things. Uh, but nowadays, you know, we, we don't mind tax collectors, do we? We recognize, mostly, that the government requires us to pay certain taxes. And so we have to have someone who collects them. But in those days, particularly the religious elite, they did not like tax collectors at all. And to see Jesus spending time with tax collectors, ooh. Countercultural. Thank you. I could tell it was getting raspier and raspier as we go on. Thanks, Sam. Do you know, Jesus was countercultural. He did the opposite to that which was expected of him in two ways. Number one, he's a carpenter. So, you know, don't get above your station. You're a carpenter. Let's not get carried away. We know you. You're from there. You're a carpenter. You're Mary and Joseph's son, aren't you? But also, he's trying to say, I'm the king of kings. Well, if you're the king of kings, you should be coming in, in, in you know, the kingdom way. You should, the, your religious elites had an expectation of what he would be like. And they did not expect to find him having his feet washed or sitting with prostitutes, or eating with tax collectors. He was counter-cultural. And in Mark 2, he tells us why he was like that. It's not the healthy that need a doctor. He didn't come for the people who were already saved. He came for the lost. The story of the, the 99 sheep. He had 100 sheep. He doesn't spend time with the 99. He's worried about the one. Jesus came for the lost. And do you know, I love Horizon. I love you as people. You are my family. But do you know what? Jesus has already met with you. And my job and our job should be out there. I want to make sure you're looked after. We want to make sure everything's all right in your life. But if we spend all our time doing that, we'll never have time for the lost. It's not the healthy that need a doctor. It's those guys out there, people that haven't yet met him. And when I started to reflect on this, you know, I realized I spend most of my time with people that are like me. I spend a lot of time with nurses and healthcare professionals. That's partly because it's my job. But a lot of my friends from previous jobs have, are, are health professionals. I spend time with other Christians in life groups and catch up and dinner. I spend time with people who have got similar interests to me. I spend most of my time with people like me. I am not countercultural. I don't spend time with people that are not like me. That doesn't matter what the not like me looks like doesn't mean that I should spend time with the rich or the poor the homeless or whatever but who am I reaching in my ministry if all the people that I spend time with are like me Jesus came to stand out are we standing out again a little quote I find in looking at this we hold our privileges for others not for our immunity but for their assistance I'll say that again we hold our privileges for others not for our immunity but for their assistance jesus came that we could have life but now we've got life let's go tell other people let's make it about out there not in here john 13 verse 34 to 35 says a new command i give you love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So it's great. We want to love one another, Horizon, don't we? I'm dead excited that Sue's staying. I think we all are, aren't we? It's brilliant. I saw her stand up and she started to talk. I was thinking, (gasps) no. But do you know what she's done? She's sought God, asked for his guidance and decided this is where she's called that's what we want we don't want to keep you here if you are not meant to be here but we love it when you are called to belong to us we're called to love one another we should love one another horizon shouldn't we yeah i'm quite a a kind and loving person in my general nature uh, and i do I, i love people at horizon i love my family my friends but what about people that are not like me my work colleagues sometimes quite tricky I definitely don't love them often. What about people that are just not like me at all? Actually, most of the time, as I said, I spend time with people like me. I don't really have an awful lot of contact with other people, whether they be rich or poor or whatever it is. Whatever it is. I, just, I just don't in my life. So how can I love them if I don't have contact with them? I've got to stand out. It made me think about what the signs of love. So if, if we say we've got to love one another, we accept that. Um, it makes me think about my goddaughter, Fenella, and think, okay, I love Fenella. How do I show Fenella that I love her? She knows I love her. I tell her I love her. Oh, I give her words of affirmation. I tell her that I love her. I do her choice of activities even when they're not mine. <laughs> I don't particularly like heights terribly much. But I suddenly found myself on top of a rock 10 metres over the Mediterranean Sea being asked to jump, Jill. Will you just jump? And all I could see was the actual seabed. It was so crystal clear that it looked like it was five inches below me. I had to climb down from the 10 metre rock and I jumped from the five metre rock. And I thought I was going to die right there, right then. And I have a sudden panic as well. I'm uh, on a boat trip with my goddaughter, just her and I, in the middle of the Mediterranean, a place I don't know, with people I don't know, and I'm going to hit the rock bottom and I'm going to die. And there she is, age 12, on her own, on a boat. But do you know what? She was there. She was un- she'd already gone. And her little face at the bottom's going, come on, Jill. Oh, I love her. I'm going to jump. I hated it. I hated every minute of it. But, you know, I love her. And I know what she likes and what she needs. And some of the things we like to do together and some of the things I'll do anyway because I love her. I show interest in what's about her life. I spend time with her when we can. I do something that means something to her. What about people around me? How much of those characteristics... If we're talking about love one another... How much of that do I do with my work colleagues that are a bit tricky? Not very much. I definitely wouldn't jump off a cliff if they were standing at the bottom saying jump Jill. But we can't be choosy. Jesus says love one another. It doesn't say love one another if you like them. It doesn't say love one another if they've given you a really easy week and not given you any trouble. It just says love one another. So how am I doing in that? What about people I see every day? Sometimes I get the train to work, sometimes I get the bus. Do I see the same people? Yeah, sometimes. There's a lady at Tooting that sells a big issue. I see her quite often. Do I show her love? I just walk <laughs> Anyone else do that? The charity sellers, the chuggers as they're called, or that type of thing, you see them and go, oh. Never been so busy until that moment. Well, you suddenly start to rush a little bit. Oh, i a rush. tell a rush. Got an appointment. But you know, there's opportunities there, aren't there? God-given opportunities of people that you have connection with potentially every day. And there's a cost to be more Christ-like. It might cost our, our comfort, our routines, our pride. It might cost our ego. We might have to communicate with and love people that we don't like very much aren't like us. They don't have the same interests or standards or thoughts about life as we do. That's pretty challenging for me. Eugene Patterson said, the God life cannot be domesticated or used. Holiness does not make God smaller so he can be used in convenient, manageable projects. It makes us larger so that God can give out life through us, extravagantly, spontaneously, the holy is an interior fire, a passion for living in and for God, a capacity for exuberance in the presence of God. There are springs deep within and around us from which we can drink and sing God. Am I living a standout Christian with passion and exuberance for God? Drinking and singing God, what a great expression. Am I drinking and singing God in my daily life? What about Horizon as a church? Are we drinking and singing God? We've got to do it every day. This is not a Sunday thing. This is our lives before God. The same God that existed when Jesus was in the earth. That takes me to our third hashtag, stand up. So we're standing in faith, stand out. Hashtag stand up. How do we respond to those things? There's an easy response that happened in me when I first mentioned it to Astrid, which was to say, "Well, oh, I can't do that. It's too hard. It's too inconvenient, actually. I've, I'm quite busy, and those things are a bit too challenging, so I could quite easily just skip past them. I don't have time to stop and talk to those people. I'm always, in, I am literally always in a rush. But do you know what, I'm in a rush. I'm in a rush to do the things that are my priorities not God's priorities I'm in a rush to see the people that I want to see because I like them and I want to spend time with them people that are like me Tim read a few weeks ago from uh, Exodus 3 uh, and I just want to reflect back on a section where God tells Moses he's going to lead the Israelites out of Egypt God says yeah Moses you're going to do this Moses says who am I that I should go and we can quite easily I think get stuck in the point where we say oh who am I I'm only this big. I can only do this. Don't you know, God, I'm too busy. Don't you know I've got all this other thing going on. Who am I that you should send me? And God just says, I'll be with you. Say, I'll be with you. That's, that's what we need, does isn't it? I'll be with you. Oh, okay. And in Matthew 17:20, the verse says, truly I tell you if you have faith as small as a mustard seed you can say to this mountain move from here to there and it will move nothing will be impossible for you faith as small as a mustard seed that's all it takes so I move from that place of going oh I don't really want to be Christ-like sounds a bit too tricky I'm quite settled I've got church I've got life group I pray alright uh You know, I spend time with God, read my Bible, yeah, comfortable. Am I extravagantly, spontaneously living a passion for God? Am I daily drinking and singing God? And instead of standing in the place where I say, Who am I that I should go? That sounds all very difficult, Jill. Sounds all very inconvenient to my life. Who am I? I don't feel good enough, I don't feel big enough, my faith is not strong enough. Who am I that I should go? God just says, I'll be with you. All it takes is a mustard seed of faith. So do you know what? I've started to step out. I've started to to stand up. I've started to say, do you know God, if you're doing this through me and through us in Horizon, I can't just carry on doing what I'm doing. I've got to make some changes. It's got to be different. So I pray. I seek the Holy Spirit. Not saying every day or every time I go to the supermarket, but definitely I'm making deliberate choices to seek more of the supernatural in my life. We talked about loving everyone. I was in the shower one day and uh, this was beginning to ruminate for me. Sometimes God does speak to me in the shower. Um, And he popped into my head the big issue lady that sells at Tooting Broadway. I go past her quite often, she's very cheerful never ever have I bought something from her never I've not stopped I've not there's no order smile I'm not rude but I don't know who she is the bible says love everyone I should love her I don't even know who she is how can I love her how can I show her love so do you know what this week I've been praying for her she wasn't there Tuesday Wednesday Thursday it was quite wet I think oh god you put that in my heart she's not even there that's all right I'll keep praying I hope she's not sick I hope she's well I hope she's not in trouble God I hope you bless her this week Friday she was there so I did the first thing that I know is going to help and set that connection with her I bought my copy of the big issue and do you know what God put in my heart and the reason I bought this it says love one another And I've already told you what I'll do for my Fenella, jumping off cliffs and all sorts. What if Fen was standing there selling something? It doesn't have to be the big issue. Let's just say it's a magazine. My Fenella is standing outside Tooting, Broadway, Sainsbury's, and she's selling something. What are you going to do? You're going to buy it, aren't you? Come on, you're probably going to buy 10. I want her to learn a lesson, so I might not buy them all. The other thing I'm going to do is I'm going to tell my friends. My Fenella is doing this thing. Will you all support her? We're going to pray for her. We're going to be behind her. We're going to encourage her. What if my Fen was standing there? I would definitely show love to her. But it's not. It's a big issue. And it's a lady called Paulina. Paulina's Romanian. She's been in the UK for four years. So I said to her when I spoke to her on Friday going to come next week, Paulina. I'm going to come next week and I'm going to buy another big issue. And we'll have another chat. Oh, lovely, she said. The other thing I'm going to do is going to tell you, Paulina sells the big issue at Tooting Broadway, just outside Sainsbury's. Go see her. Go say hi. doesn't matter if you can't buy. It doesn't matter if you don't have the money to buy one. Just go. Love on her. And next month, I want to ask some of you, come with me. I want to take a few friends and I want to go buy a few big issues from Paulina three or four people let's just go let's just say hi we want to love you maybe she's got prayer requests we can ask about all it takes is mustard seed faith this might not change the world it might not change the borough Sutton but you know what God can change Paulina's life and he can do it through me and us who is your love? one another person that you can see out there what is it that God's been putting on your heart stand in faith, stand out, but most importantly, Horizon, stand up, do something, pray more, seek him more, read your Bible more. But that's not about rituals, it's about having that exuberant passion for Christ. God, what do you want to do today? Not just every Sunday. Let's not be Christians that just ask that question when we come to church or go to life group. All it takes He's a mustard seed of faith. At the end, I've got verses, the Matthew 17 verse about a mustard seed. And I have got the tiniest, tiniest little seed on every one. If you've never seen a mustard seed, you will realize why it's in the Bible. Take it home. Remind yourself of that verse. They are tiny, tiny little seeds. And what God says that's all the faith you need that's it so father as we finish this section today lord i pray that you will help us stand in faith by prayer and seeking the supernatural you'll help us to stand out to be countercultural in our lives with the people we meet and lord i pray that you will help us to stand up even with faith as small as a mustard seed that we will stand up for you